Good morning and welcome to Cross Timber. Feel free to move about, greet one another, or sing along. Good morning. Welcome to Cross Timber. And if one of your New Year's resolutions was to be in church more often, you're batting a thousand this morning if you're here. So, uh, so congratulations. Um, it's good to be here. Okay, the sun is shining, and we're looking forward to a wonderful day of worship, and also just to see what God is going to do not only today but also in the year that lies ahead. So, if you're listening in online, if you're sitting here with us, um, welcome. Um, if you are a visitor, we hope you feel um, welcome. Hope somebody came up to you and shook your hand and told you that we're glad to see you because we are. 
And just to let you know, there's two cards that are available on that table. If there's something we can pray for, um, we'd love for you to just jot that, jot down a prayer request and drop it in the offering plate in a few minutes. Or if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to, to ask or update information, there's a little card called the Connect card. And that's a great way to do so. And both those you can just put in the offering plate, which we'll um, take here in just a few moments. But we're going to continue on singing. We'll be reading from Second Peter chapter 3 in a few moments. So if you want to find your place there. And again, I just want to welcome you um, Cross timber in the name of the Lord. So good morning. Would you stand and sing with us? In my wrestling and in my doubt, in my failures, you won't walk out. Sure, safe to show. Sure. 
Second Peter chapter 3, starting in verse number 14. Peter writes these words to the church. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do not do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away by the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Gentlemen, we. Our Father, God, we thank you that again you allowed us to come together to worship together and to encourage each other and then, Lord, to, to uh, hear your word uh, said unto us. We pray, Lord, that all this will be done with the, with the, your leadership and your presence in us in, in this place today. And we do pray for Rusty, Lord, that you bless him as he comes and preaches to us and uh, bless us with open ears that we can hear. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for this time of giving back to you because that you want us to give back to you uh, in your work. And we pray that it will be blessed to reach all the way around the world and uh, touch many lives and honor you. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. stand and sing with us.
you have a Bible, you can find your way to Psalm chapter 90. It's relatively toward the middle part of your Bible, or just a couple of taps and a swipe away if you're using your your phone. While you're finding that, I just want to tell you that if you are um, if you are not here early in the mornings, like around time for Bible study, um, not only are you missing out of great fellowship and great Bible teaching, but there was quite an episode um, in our um, street right across outside from the main entrance this morning. Um, there was a couple um, that was out in the middle of the street. Um, he was, I think they were older because he was very, he had very white hair, kind of Einsteinish, stick it up on his head. Um, she had kind of, kind of salt and pepper hair. It was kind of gray and kind of white. And they seemed to be just um, fouling around out there. Um, they were pecking on the ground, um, looking for seeds. There was a couple of chickens. And depending on when you came in, those chickens kind of um, didn't really care too much about whether or not you wanted to turn or needed to, to get into the parking lot. They were more interested in what um, they were getting off the ground. And then soon they were joined by a host of grackles. So um, you never know, you know, what you miss out on until you're not here. So if you didn't get to see it, I'm sorry. But uh, our deacons were on guard. They were ready. Um, had there been some sort of situation where they'd approached the building, um, I think they would have dealt with it accordingly, um, shooing them away, um, keeping safe distance from the rooster, lest he um, try to protect the hen. Um, but that's enough of the, the chicken talk. Um, but you get those things when you live somewhat close to the country and have animals across the street. But as we turn to Psalm 90, we think about the idea, and I wanted to tell you again, just Happy New Year, because we have started officially, we're seven days into 2024, and it's the the time of year that people consider change. What do I want to be different this year from last year, or what did I maybe not get done last year that I would like to get done this year, and people set goals, they, they make plans, and if we don't and we're not careful, then things can pretty much stay the same as they did the year before. Now, I don't want to seem prideful, but I do have to tell you that I kept every one of my New Year's resolutions from 2023. In fact, they're tucked safely away in a journal on my bookshelf, and they will be there until they decay. But, you know, if we don't really watch ourselves, we can get in the same patterns, the same routines, the same habits, and those can be very difficult to change. And hours pass, days go by, and our time on earth speeds quickly toward an end. And so I want you to imagine if you were to take a a calendar of your life, go through it day by day, and, and just count very honestly how many of those days would you say truly counted? Or how many would you sadly have to admit just slipped away that they were meaningless? And in 2024, on this first full Sunday, I want us to think about this. How can we make our days count? Now, unfortunately, you can't go back and fix or undo things from the past, but we do have the opportunity to change how we handle the time that we have remaining. And so as we look at Psalm 90, I want us to think about the idea of making your days count, to live with meaning, to live with purpose, that each day would 
be defined by our relationship with Christ. We would strive to live in Christ, and we would find our boundaries governed by the lordship of Christ and guided by the truth of his word. Psalm 90 is interesting. It is given credit to Moses, who is called a servant of God in Scripture, the man of God in Scripture here, and then also a friend of God. The leader that helped God's people get out of Egypt, who stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go, who witnessed the disobedience of God's people, who pleaded before God on their behalf and wandered along with them in the wilderness. And they wandered in the wilderness because, as Numbers 14 reminds us, God was displeased with their disobedience and let them know that they would bear their iniquity. And so in the light of who God is, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, and who the people were, Moses wrote these words as a prayer toward God. And as we look at these words, I want us to think about this, that a meaningful and purposeful Christian life requires keeping God's character and our condition in the proper perspective. Now let's read these words together. There's 17 verses, and then we'll pray and we'll start walking through this together. Psalm 90 begins, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Lord, we pause before you this morning. To admit right along with David, to admit along with Moses, that you are the same from everlasting to everlasting. You are creator, you are God, and we have your word here this morning before us, and we trust 
that you will make it come alive to us by the power of your spirit. Lord, help us to, to see the wonders of the Savior, the one that you sent, the Lord Jesus, and that we would choose to live our lives with meaning and purpose by depending on you, by trusting you, by seeing the inability in ourselves of doing anything about our condition but to look to you. Oh, but Lord, that you help us to know that when we come to you, you provide all that we need and more than we can imagine. So Lord, help us to see this truth from your word and to see what we can do to make our days count. We trust you to help us in this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as, amen. So as we look at the psalm, as we want to talk about making our days count, the first thing that we have to understand is we need to have the right perspective. You know, the proper way to approach a situation can make all the difference. And many times it's all in how we look at things. You know, emergencies call for decisive decisions, quick action. Moments of conflict call for wisdom and and tactfulness. Driving down Wilshire any time of the day, well, I haven't really quite figured that one out yet. But when it comes to our faith, the right perspective helps us see God for who he is and see ourselves for who we are and to put those in the proper place. And the beginning spot is God's character. Now, in this psalm, we see just several aspects of his character, certainly not all of them. But he, Moses un, helps us understand in those first two verses that God is eternal and unchanging. He was in existence before creation because he is the creator. He is eternal. He's been around from everlasting to everlasting. If you need a translation of that, it's a long, 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 long time that nobody knows when it started and it will never end. And Malachi tells us that God doesn't change. So he is eternal and he's unchanging. But he's also holy and righteous. 1 Samuel 2 says there's no one like holy like the Lord. He is holy. He is the very expression of all things that are good. He knows nothing of any of evil, and he is righteous in everything that he does. Psalm 145, 17 tells us, which means us that the very existence of evil, our sin, are an affront to God, and his anger and his wrath are always toward sin, not Toward the sinner. So in verse 11, listen to what Moses writes. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? You'd have to wonder how much time Moses had to contemplate that. Um, Forty years of wandering probably would be a long time to think about it. Boy, we really blew it. Man, God, are you sure we couldn't just do maybe 39 years and 10 months or 11 months? But no, the Lord added to them those 40 years of wandering to consider God's anger, his wrath toward sin. And while God's holiness and his righteousness can't stand the very presence of sin, his love and his mercy can't stand to leave any person without an opportunity for rescue. It's the wonderful balance of God's character that he is holy and righteous, but he's also merciful and loving. 
you see that wonderful word, verse 14, steadfast love. The word hesed, it's God's mercy or loving kindness. It's his loyal love. It's the love that keeps loving, keeps hoping for the best, and never, ever lets go. Verse 17 mentions his favor. So you have his loving kindness and his favor, gracious kindness. God demonstrating his delight. And you see those that acted under the favor of the Lord and the wonderful works they did. You think of the man, Nehemiah, who went to rebuild the walls. And as he sought the Lord and he heard from the Lord, he gained favor not only with the king from where he was in exile, but also before the Lord in helping him rebuild the wall. We see Ruth go to that place of her, you know, as a wanderer, going to the place of the the hometown of her mother-in-law, and she goes looking for favor. She finds it, not only with the Lord, but also with this man, Boaz. And because of the Lord's work and his favor, Ruth marries Boaz. You get um, Obed down the line. You get David. And she is in the lineage of Jesus. This is his favor. So Moses knew, even though his people were judged because of their actions, he knew beyond a doubt that God loved them and he cared for them, that he desired what was best for them. He was patient and forbearing with them, and he longed for them to choose obedience. That's why verse 1, he says just right at the very beginning, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. That there was one true refuge, there was one true place of safety and provision for his people, and that was in his presence. One commentator said it this way, throughout Israel's history, the Lord continued to provide physical aid and spiritual sanctuary for his And so you begin to see this picture that Moses is, is painting, that this eternal, holy, and loving God knows and cares for his people, but he also understands very well our condition, that his character speaks for itself. He's unchanging. He always desires the best, and he's available to us at any time moment. And his desire all along not only was to put those people that wandered in the wilderness into a land of their own, but he wanted to be their very dwelling place for them and for their children for all generations. I like to do Google searches. I don't know. It's just fun. It's kind of a hobby I have. But I was Google searching trademarks the other day and I just happened to, you know, I, I couldn't remember. I remember hearing the phrase, you know, the name you could trust, but I couldn't remember who used it? Well, actually, a lot of people have used it. They just kind of changed the, the the first letter they use. It was a name you can trust, B name you can trust, or you know, name you can trust. There was a company named Jomar. I have no idea what they do, but they were Jomar, a name you can trust. Moody Bible Institute is Moody, the name you can trust. There's others, but truth is, you know, no matter who claims the trademark, God ultimately owns the trademark. He is the name that you. Trust, that you can trust in his name when from everlasting to everlasting. Why? Because he made us, he knows us, he desired, he desires what is best for us, he understands our current condition, he understands our present future, and he offers the remedy. So we see just a picture, a small picture of God's character, but we also have to consider the other side of the coin, that's our condition. I've heard a couple of people this, this past week say, New Year, new me. 
that wasn't me. That's not on my list of phrases. So I did just say it, but it's not in my repertoire. But they mean by that a time to evaluate, a time to, to make changes and adjustments. Maybe it's get a haircut. Maybe it's a new hair color. Maybe it's a new job. But they're declaring this year is going to be different. And we all want to make changes in some way, right? We want to you know, improve our, our health. We want to exercise more. We want to eat better. We want to lose weight. We want to manage our finances better. And while we want to change those things, there are some things about us that always remain the same. And Moses keeps that in front of us and in front of the people. That there's some things about the human nature, regardless of it, of what century it is, whether you're male or female, where you live on the continent, that first of all, humanity is fail, frail and fleeting. He mentions that man would return to dust, reckoning us back to the very beginning when God takes some dust from the earth and forms it into a man and breathes life into it. And so we see that we were created in dust and we will return to dust as we're put in the ground. He reminds us that life on earth is marked by hardship and toil, struggle and work. All of this, you can go back to Genesis 3 and read about the sin of Adam and Eve, the fall that we, we call it, and these are the results of the curse of their sin. So Moses brings a, a healthy dose of reality into life that is infinite, as wonderful as we think we might be, we are, at the end of the day, just frail and fleeting. We're weak compared to God, and our life on earth is only going to last for but a moment. On the other side of that, God's eternal. And our, while our life has you know, an expiration date, God has no beginning date or ending date. In verse 10, Moses gives a, a pretty good life estimate. He says, you know, 70 years a man lives. If it was good circumstances, maybe 80. That's in verse 10. And if you look at the statistics now, the numbers really haven't changed much. Most recent information I could find, the average lifespan for a man was 74 years. Ladies get a little bit longer. They are at 79 years. So you see it's right in that 70 to 80 range. It hasn't changed over these years. But it reminds us of this one reality that statistically one out of every one person on earth will die. Nobody lives forever. And that ought to be a sobering thought to us as we look around and we take account of our own spiritual condition. You know, have I been delaying making the decision that I need to in obedience to the Lord? Have I put off talking to somebody about a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're just sitting here and you've heard about Jesus, you know about Jesus, but you've never really stepped into that place of obedience saying, Jesus, I understand that I don't have a whole lot going on that's worth anything, but you've got everything I need. And while I, I mess up and keep doing the things that I don't want to do, I trust in you because you're a perfect Savior and I need your help and I need your hope and I want to live a life for you that we have to understand that there's going to be a day of reckoning for every person. And hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world pass away every day. To help emphasize this point that our life on earth is short, he uses several different illustrations. He talks about a flood. You know, think about a flash flood that would come quickly when a storm rose up and would be gone just as quickly. A dream. Passing moments. Grass. I love how Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, says this 
he talks about the fact that grass is sown, it's grown, it's blown, it's mown, and then it's gone. A sigh, a brief moment. Each one exists only for a moment, and as verse 10 reminds, they are soon gone. And in the same way, verse 10 says that we will fly away. And so we are frail and fleeting, but we're also sinful and needy. Romans 3.23 reminds us every one of us is a sinner. Doesn't that make you feel good? Come to church on the first Sunday and the preacher just says, hey, you know what, we're all sinners. Well, at the very least, it should help you understand that you're not better than anybody else. That we're all in the same human predicament of this thing called because God loves us, because while He's holy and righteous, He's also loving and caring. He provided a remedy for us that salvation comes in the name of Jesus. And so to keep reminding us of our condition, Moses mentions the sins of God's people and really all of humanity. He uses the word iniquities. Oh man, how often do we just try to bend or twist God's rules? No, we just, maybe just, you know, a little bit, well, you know, read that in the Bible, but does God really mean that? Can I really, can, can, I, can I find a way around it? Make excuses? Desire to justify ourselves or make ourselves look better than everybody else? And then he brings out secret sins, which is kind of funny. Um, you think about, well, we, we might do a good job of hiding things from other people, but you can't really hide anything from God. Your sin will find you out. But God's Holiness shines this bright, beaming light into our lives, and it brings to us the truth revealed by the Holy Spirit that we are indeed sinners. And the result of that, listen to what Moses says, we're dismayed and brought to an end by God's anger The presence of pride will rise up against that and argue, try to ignore it, attempt to fix things on our own. But oh, when we receive and we hear the gift of grace, it just builds in us just this overwhelming thought of how much our actions have grieved the heart of God that loves us so much, how much He cares for us that He provided a Savior. And we come to realize that we're needy. Now I know some of y'all are self-sufficient. I can take care of myself. I don't need any help. But I called you sinners, so now I'm going to call you needy. We're all needy. Doesn't matter how self-supportive, how strong you think you are, what an independent man or independent woman you are, you're needy. In fact, if you look at verse 11 in a, another translation, it's a, it's a kid's translation. It's the New International Reader's Version. But listen to that. It says, if only we knew the power of your anger, it's as great as the respect we should have for you. So he's talking about the fact that as we recognize God's anger or his wrath, toward sin, that our fear of the Lord, our respect for Him, should have equal value. God wants us to fear and love Him, not to be afraid of Him in a, in a cringing sense. And it would be impossible even if we tried to ever exaggerate God's attitude toward sin. And it's also equally impossible to overestimate God's amazing love. 
however we could express it with with pen or ink or on paper or in song wouldn't even come close to how much he loves you. He's wild about you. He's crazy about you. He's nuts about you. And he wants the best for you. And when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, brings that truth to light in our hearts, there's only one real response, and that's fear or respect for God. It's the only right response. It's what the Proverbs tells us. It's the beginning of wisdom, godly wisdom. And it moves us to do something, to take Paul wrote, you know, kind of, you know, whoa, who can, you know, free me from this burden of sin? Thanks be to God who gives us wisdom. And once you put things in the right perspective, then the next step is that you have to do something. You have to make a decision. You have to take action. And so the second part is that there is a required response. So when we see quality of God's character, and we see the not-so-great report of our condition, when God works in our lives by the Holy Spirit, there's only one thing to do, and that's turn toward Him, to reach out toward Him, and to help us understand that, I just use the phrase humble submission, that when we realize what we are, our condition, we realize what God has to offer, then we turn to God. Now, we have to remember that our selfish pride will fight against it, against the truth of it, the reality of it. And we will be tempted to turn away, ignore, and do nothing when the need is not to turn away, but to turn towards Jesus and allow him to begin to bring about change. Now, I'm going to be honest, that's easy to say. It's hard for a lot of people in practice. This idea of humbly submitting themselves to the Lord. But it starts with understanding that God's character doesn't change. The Word says He is good. We have to believe that His ways are good. That He always knows what's good and He always does what's good. When we come to decision making, who's right or wrong? God or me? Here's the answer. If you want to make a hundred on the test, it's God. He's right. We're wrong. When we need the right perspective, we always need God's perspective. But when we get that perspective, we see that we have a problem, but God has the solution. We see that we have a great need, but God is the provider. We see that we are weak and frail, but God is powerful and mighty. With that right perspective, we bow down our hearts and our lives before Jesus, the one who made all things, the one who holds all things together, the one who is Savior, the one who is Lord, the one who knows, the one who hears and the one who responds. Because a humble heart cries out in desperate prayer. I use that word a lot, desperate. The only time, you know, I think about it and, you know, is, you know, people are desperate, you know, they're hungry. People are desperate, they need a job. Thought about the spiritual desperation that we're in. Author Daniel Henderson just says this phrase in our relationship with God that desperation drives dependence. That our likelihood of turning toward God in prayer and to seek Him is driven by a hunger that we have for God or a desperation. 
you know, you've heard people talk about being at the end of their rope when you don't have anything else to do. You know, when we understand that, that we really have an empty gas tank and nothing to do that could ever help us, then we turn toward God in repentance. And that shows in our prayer life. And, and our prayer life, in many ways, could be a barometer of the level of humility and dependence that we have in our lives. Because as God continues to humble us, and we are all in that process, we turn toward Him in prayer more often. And the more we depend on God, the more we see His willingness, and the more we are apt to pray. And those prayers that we offer up, Express a willingness to listen, a trust, and obedience factor. You know, where we say, God, I need you. I have nowhere else to go. And it's just me, God, I'm, I'm listening, I'm ready. We learn to, to trust, to believe that God has what we need, and he knows what's best, and he'll give what we need when we need it. And then that obedient factor, God, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I'm going to walk in your ways. I want to grow in faith. I want to believe. Lord, I need you to help me. Help my unbelief. Because the desperate heart calls out to God. It trusts in God's character and it commits to pray until a result is seen. So you have the right perspective, the response, and now you have the resulting prayer. You're going to have to jot this down. I don't know if it's in your outline or not. Um, I will produce it in print copy at some point, but maybe not today. But as we look at this, I'm going to give you some prayer points in just a moment. But we have to see you know, that Moses knew, because he was a friend of God, that God was eternal, he was holy, he was loving, and he was aware of all the circumstances. He also understood that the need they had was great. Moses was so convinced of this, he was willing to go before God to intervene on behalf of his people. He prayed for it, pleaded for it. And with all this in mind, verses 12 through 17 records this prayer of Moses. There's six requests. Each one is a plea to see God's promises made to come to light in the life of the people taking up God and his word to receive the benefits of the covenant. And so we're going to just take the remaining time here to look at these requests and, and kind of maybe hope to understand a little bit of why it's important for us to pray these things today. And the first thing you come to, if you see there, verse 12, is wisdom. Because time is brief. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of God's always willing to answer that prayer of wisdom because he tells us. We know that it's the the fear of God, that healthy respect for God that's the starting point of gaining wisdom. And here he gives us a a special aspect of wisdom, helping us to see that what time on earth is brief and we are called to make the most of it. Now you can turn there or you can look on the screen, but Ephesians Chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, but as, not as unwise, but as wise, doing what? Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. 
wisdom to use our time wisely. A suggested prayer might sound a little bit like this. Lord, our time on earth is brief. Give us your wisdom to use the time that we have for your purposes. We need to pray for wisdom to use our time wisely. Second, we need to pray for mercy. Why? Because we all need it. It's a prayer for God to have mercy on us and also on those that still have not trusted in Christ. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We rejoice in it. We pray for others. Lord, have mercy that they would come to be born again, that they would know what the living hope is, the power of the resurrection that Christ won by His being raised from the dead. Lord, be merciful to your people and to those people that still have not believed. And oh, may they be born again to new life and living hope in Christ through wisdom, mercy. Third, satisfaction. little phrase to help you there. Jesus is all you need. Verse 14 of Psalm 90 says this, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all your days. I've always heard growing up, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You know, and, and I found that true, that usually if you have you know, a decent breakfast, it just helps you with the other two meals. You know, and if you don't eat breakfast um, you know, by lunch, you're, just, you're, you're looking for anything that you can scarf. And, and usually you, know, you don't make good choices the rest of the day. helps your mind be sharper. Um, helps you just get the day started better, have more energy. But as we talk about our spiritual nutrition, Moses writes, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. I know a lot of you get up really early. I know a lot of you are busy. And I know it's very easy to just say, well, you know, because I have to get up so early, I really don't have time to read my Bible or start the day. But let me tell you, five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes at the beginning of your day will benefit you throughout the day. Making that an opposite, that priority. And God, help me to start my day with you, but help me to be satisfied with you. And start that satisfaction in the morning. A prayer might look like this. Lord, help me find uh, my all in all in you through your son Jesus. Help me to see that anything that I try other than Jesus is going to leave me emptier and more unsatisfied than I was to start with. Lord, help me to see what Jesus said in John 6.35. It's true. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall not trust. Wise, godly woman, Corey Tinden, said this. You can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. And you can be satisfied in Jesus. But fourth, we need joy. Let it outshine our afflictions. Look at verse 15 to show you I didn't make this up on my own. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Now, what can we gain from this? First of all, Moses wasn't expecting to live a trouble-free life. He knew that life was met with difficulty. But his humble request is simply this, Lord, let us have an equal balance of blessing and trials. 
even greater than that, Lord, let the blessings of the joy that we can find in you outshine the trials of life. And only in Christ can you find joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulties. And so we might want to pray something like this, Lord, help us see that your joy is our strength. And since joy doesn't depend on circumstances, let it shine brighter than any affliction or trial that I may face. And when the brightness of the radiance of the glory of Christ shines joy on your face in the midst of hard times, midst of suffering, whether it's physical pain or other types of anguish, it just is the brightest, most beautiful thing in the world. We see that it's God who's made the difference. Oh, we need joy that outshines our circumstances. Fifth, we need God's miraculous works. Verse 16, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Now, when the children of Israel thought about the mighty works of God, it started back in that great moment in the kingdom of Egypt when God delivered his people from the heavy hand of Pharaoh, from the bondage of the Egyptians, led them across the Dead Sea on dry land, and headed them toward the land that would be their So when we think about God's miraculous works, oh, we should ask God that you would heal, and God, you would do miracles in our day that people would not deny, but we need to not forget to pray for the greatest miracle of all, and that's the ability of God to reach down and to open blind eyes and to soften hardened hearts. Prayer might sound like this, Lord, do only what you can. Open the eyes of the spiritually blind. Soften hardened hearts. Draw women and men to you. Let them see that you have great power and that Jesus is both Savior and Lord. Oh Lord, we've seen your works in the past. Renew them in your day. God's miraculous works. And then last, verse 17, that we would be faithful and fruitful servants. Listen to verse 17. Moses calling out before the Lord, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. He repeats that phrase for emphasis. It's highlighted, it's underlined, it's exclamation pointed probably in your Bible. Establish the work of our hands upon us. great desire for God to enable them to carry out his plans in their life. Now for Moses in that day, it could have been a prayer, Lord, you know we want to be in the promised land. And Lord, I just ask you to keep loving us, keep empowering us, keep keep helping us to trust in you and lead us all the way home. Help us to serve you better today than we did yesterday. For us, 2024, it might look something like this. Lord, help us to see the evidence all around us that we have your approval. That we're not seeking to gain your favor. Lord, we have your favor. Lord, we we have all that we have needed available to us in the person of Jesus, the enabling of the Spirit. 
And God, we ask that you would give us your power to enable us to carry out your plan in our lives for your glory. Lord, help us to know you, your will. Help us to know you are with us. Fill us with your spirit to be faithful to your will and be fruitful in our service towards you. I pray something like that. Because when we seek God in prayer, God will reveal himself to This is the, the type of prayer that will make a difference in your life, can make a difference in our church. But the question as we close is, do you want this year to be different? You know, or, or are you just happy to let things stay the same? Or are you willing to choose to, to live for Christ, to live a life under His leadership, a life full of meaning and purpose? Do you want to have days that count, that mean something at the end of the day? If we want to do that, if that's our choice, then we have to keep everything in the right perspective. God's character is eternal. He's righteous, holy, caring, and loving. Our condition is frail, fleeting, sinful, and needy. And we need to turn to God specifically and pray. And ultimately in Philippians 4. A.W. Tozer famously wrote these words. And it's honest and it's true. We have as much of God as we actually want. And the choice we make will affect those around us. Affect our families will affect our other brothers and sisters in Christ. It will affect the life of our church. It affects the people around us who are looking to see Jesus in us. What will we do? Will we pray for people? Today, I've been alive 19,184 days. You don't have to sing happy birthday to me. And in reflection of that, nearing the 20,000 days mark within a few years, um, you have to ask, what, what do I want to do before that four changes to five? What do I want to do on day 19,850? Or, you know, what do I want to do down the road? What do I want to do tomorrow? And then the question for you is, what will you do? With the years that will soon be gone and soon fly away. And I just pray along with Moses, Lord, teach us to number our days. Let's pray. Lord, in the light of who you are and the reality of who we are, there's only one logical answer, and that's to turn towards you with our great need. Because we are ever needful and you are ever faithful. You are great and you are mighty and you are good. So Lord, we're asking you to do the work that only you can do and that's to transform and change human hearts. Not only can you save and deliver 
you can motivate and empower, you can direct uh, the meaning and purpose for these days. And so, Lord, as we've looked at these things today, Lord, help these to be points of prayer for our, our personal lives, for our church family in the days ahead. We would seek out active Experience your presence and know your part and to walk in the power of what you have provided for us. Help us to commit ourselves to this, not with just a nod or with words, but with our hearts bowed before you in humble submission. Ask this in your name. Amen, Jesus. moments of quiet music to give you opportunity to reflect. Maybe there's something in this, these moments that stood out to you from Moses to us today. Maybe it's just a fresh commitment to seek after God and his ways or commit to, to the prayers um, such as these that were listed. Maybe there's a burden in your heart that you need to just lay down. Maybe today's the day that things begin to start clicking and you're like, okay, God, um, I've heard about you. Maybe I've called out to you, but I'm realizing that you're real and you have a son who is a savior named Jesus. And I need to put my trust in you. Or maybe there's just an opportunity you take to say, God, I'm looking at your faithfulness in the past and I'm looking forward to what you're willing to do in the future. And I'm excited. Help me to catch the wind of the spirit and the joy in my heart and just to move forward in what you want to do in my life. The music's going to play quietly. It's your opportunity to respond. And after a few minutes, we'll reflect before the Lord together. being here this week. I want to um, remind you of a couple of things before Angela comes and shares an announcement and then Deborah's going to come after that. First, um, mark your calendars. January the 21st will be our first quarterly meeting of 2024. It'll be right after our morning worship service. It's an opportunity to enjoy a fellowship meal together and also um, 
here about the end of 2023 and the start of 2024. And so make plans. Um, be thinking about, you know, check your Pinterest or whatever to see what you might want to cook and bring to uh, enjoy, whether it's a, a main dish or a dessert or something like that. And we'll have a good time of fellowship together. And then also, you, hopefully you saw this in your bulletin. If not, you need to, to grab one. Um, our missionaries in residence, Sostri and Paige Misala, will be unfortunately returning before we know it. Their time here um, in the States is coming to a close, and they're going to return to India where they serve with Rehoboth Ministries. But they um, would like to invite us all to um, a missions dinner to learn about a little more in-depth about their work in India through Rehoboth Ministries. Um, they are providing a meal free of charge. Um, all we need to do is let them know that we want to come, and you have contact information there that you can text or call. And um, it's free dinner. Um, donations are welcome, and they're going to give us opportunity to know how we can partner with them in their work um, through prayer and through, through giving. And that will be next Sunday, 5 o'clock, here at the church. And so um, we'll get a reminder out during this week. Again, just they kind of need an idea of what to provide. Um, it will probably be something along the lines of baked potato and, and salad. Um, I don't know if they'll have any spicy curry or not, but um, that wouldn't be turned away um, if it was presented either. But if you are interested in that, please, um, it's, you know, they've been very busy. Let me just tell you, um, their absence from our congregation is only because um, they are um, deeply committed to a work that, that Sostri started while he was doing his um, schoolwork at Southwestern Seminary. He was part of a church plant um, that planted a, a church in Irving that is an Indian church that specifically speaks the dialect from his um, province in India. And after he arrived home, um, the pastor that was there um, left. And so he has been preaching um, almost every Sunday there, helping that church along. And um, everything I hear, um, they, they average about 60 people. Every time they have a special event, they have around 200 people. So they had 200 people gather for their, their Christmas service, their Christmas outreach. They did another one on New Year's. And, um, and so his, um, his desire, Paige's desire, is to pour into that congregation as much as they can before they have to, to leave. And so um, if it weren't for that, they would be here more often. But this is a wonderful way to support them. It's January the 14th. It's 5 o'clock. It's next Sunday. Um, we just need to show up and support and enjoy that. So um, those are the two things that I have. Oh, one more thing before Angela comes. Um, check the table out these doors to your right for your Christmas cards. Um, there's still several on there, so that means that some of you probably haven't picked them up yet. Be sure and check them. They're alphabetical. They're laying on the table, and take those and, um, and just enjoy the blessing of receiving greetings from other members of your church family. So, Angela, why don't you come and, and share with us, and then Deborah after that. Rusty's message was really perfect for getting to uh, give you all this invitation to join Christina and I in going through this book called The Body Revelation. But before I formally invite you, I'll give you a little backstory on the ministry and why the book was chosen. Uh, back in, I think it was 2014, Christina stumbled upon Revelation Wellness um, on social media or something. And shortly thereafter, she had uh, got me involved in her and I going on a hike that hiked the rim to rim of the Grand Canyon. Um, and through this, this ministry, 
um, they discipled us to love God, get healthy, love others, be whole. And it really, it just kind of grabbed me because um, my background in fitness and nutrition my whole life had been in the wheelhouse of a gym um, and never felt fully comfortable there um, because I couldn't preach the gospel while doing it. Um, and so this this book is um, going to be around 14 weeks covering a chapter a day or a week rather. Um, there is going to be movement involved uh, in the class. Movement, I like to say movement, I don't like to say exercise because we're just going to move. We're going to move in love um, and encouraging one another and praying for one another, um, meeting one another where we're at, and just just discipleship. Um, we're going to have that class on Friday morning. It's the only uh, time slot, unfortunately, my schedule allowed, but we don't want it to exclude anyone that would like to participate, and so there's going to be a Facebook group that Christina has already um, created so that you can join along with us if you can't make the Friday class. Um, let's see, what else? Sign-up sheet, yes, thank you. There's the sign-up sheet outside that you can sign up whether you want to join the class or whether you want to just join the Facebook group and follow along. This is uh, for women. Uh, for the class, but I don't want, I hate to say that because if you're going to join us and read the book and you have a significant other, read it with them. There's such great, rich uh, things in there to just help us pursue Christ and wholeness with the right perspective um, and to just go forward together in that. Anything else, Christina? The Facebook group. Um, I can Canyon Life. You can search that, and I can throw out invites from that too, so that you can find it easier. Um, yeah, I think. Also, let me just because God gave me this verse in um, what what this ministry has meant to me over the years. Um, Ephesians four sixteen, and it just reminds me that we are better together. Uh, from him, the whole body, fitting and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. And God is the focus. Community is needed to bring about those changes that we need. So hopefully um, y'all can get excited and maybe maybe join us for this. We also don't want it to end after this book is over. So we would like to continue on a community of love and support through this ministry. And thank you. Revelation Wellness is a wonderful ministry. And so if you maybe feel like, oh, I don't know that I could do something like that, don't don't dismiss it because there really it really is a neat ministry and so I encourage you to check that out. Um, so a couple of several things. There's so much going on and it's a wonderful thing that there's so much going on. Um, Ladies Connect 
is not going to continue on. We will no longer have Ladies Connect. I think y'all are as connected as you kind of want to be, and so a lot of times people won't show up, so I'm kind of done with that. Instead, we're going to have Connect, and it's going to be something that's just going to be from time to time throughout the year. We'll have different events that go on, and it's for everybody, for all of us to connect together. I think that's really important that we do that. And um, so our first Connect is going to be a Valentine's banquet. And to be a part of that, um, if you're interested, you just have to show up that day. Um, but there are some opportunities. So if you want to make a soup or salad or dessert, you can sign up in the foyer to do that. Also, we're going to be giving you the opportunity to decorate a table. And so if you want to sign up for one table that you want to decorate and make it look really pretty for the Valentine party, you can sign up for a table to decorate. And so that's kind of a fun thing to be a part of. Um, also, Embrace Grace starts back. And we start January 31st. Can you believe it? We already have a girl named Brooklyn. So be praying for Brooklyn. She's very excited to be a part of it. Um, I'm going to be reaching out still to some of the girls that we've ministered to before with Embrace Life and see if they're going to follow through with it, if they really want to show up and do it. So if you want to be a part of Embrace Grace, and maybe you talked to me about it before and it just didn't work out last year, or maybe you were a part of it last year, uh, we're gonna. I need to meet with you this week, and so I'm looking at Wednesday. But mainly, just get in touch with me and let me know that you're interested. And um, and it may just be to help with a shower. It may just be to help with, you know, picking people up or just whatever. If you just want to be a part of it and you want to talk to me, please let me know because I want to reach out to you with that. Um, also, um, February second at 6:30 at Victory Family Church. Um, Next Step Ministry is having a song night. It's a time of song and prayer. It's not a fundraiser. It's a time for us to go and pray for that ministry at Next Step. Um, that's really important. It's also going to be an opportunity to put some hands-on stuff, to put some things together that will go actually to the clients of women um, who are in this area that go to Next Step Ministry. And so it's a great opportunity to pray. It's a great, oppor a great opportunity to worship together with other believers in our community and to serve our community and Next step is such an important part. It is an extension of this church. You know, we cannot just always look in the inside walls of this building. We have got to look out beyond the doors and to the community around us. And Next Step is an extension of our church. We are a part of that ministry. Money comes from our budget that goes to that. But we don't just need to give money and be hands-off. We need to be a part of that ministry. So I really encourage you, if you're available on February 2nd, to be a part of that. Um, I'm going to be there. If you want to go, let me know. I'll save you a place. And then there's more. Aren't you glad? <laughs> we're hungry. Let's go. Um, Monday nights, we're back with our Koinonia group. We're all like, yay, because we really missed each other. It's been such a great time together. Um, we're going to be meeting this week, tomorrow night at 630 at Kroger, and we're going to be talking about which Bible study we want to do. I think we're, our options um, were First Samuel or Psalms. Is that right? Oh, Psalms or Romans. Ooh, that makes it harder. Okay, so anyway, we got to decide what we're going to do, but we're going to meet tomorrow night and kind of just check in with each other and be a part of that. And then don't forget Fridays with um, Revelation Wellness. There's so many wonderful things happening. So I encourage you to get plugged in, be a part, and connect because we are better together when we are apart. And so connect where you can and be a part. <laughs> Thank you all for those announcements. So. We're just thinking of one thing. You may want, if you have opportunity, you may want to ask Angela and Christina more about Rim to Rim if you're not familiar with it, because they say Rim to Rim, but I think really the subtitle of that was 
yea, though I walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, it was a very enduring thing for you to ask for. Um, also, just to, to let you know, um, this Sunday morning during the, the worship services, um, First Baptist Burleson was going to offer um, the invitation for short-time local missionaries to come be a part of our church for a year. And so in the next couple of weeks, you may see some folks coming into the church, you know, and you may think, hey, maybe they're, they might be from First Baptist. Let's don't say, hey, are you from First Baptist? Because if they're not, they're really going to feel bad. And if they are, they may think, oh, my gosh, that's so embarrassing. But, um, but just, just to know, in the weeks ahead, we, can, we will likely start seeing some families come in. Um, they may come one family, one or two families at a time. They may try it a couple of weeks and see, you know, if this is the place for them. But just pray for those families that as God brings them, that he would speak to their hearts and he would give us the, the folks that we need that would meet, you know, would, would meet with our gifts to, to be, you know, together for this season for, for his glory. Please sign up for the, the things that are available. Um, don't forget about, um, yes, ma'am. have until February to think about um, the Revelation wellness. Don't forget about next Sunday evening, 5 o'clock, um, to um, hear about any missions with Paige and Softry and um, anything else you can consider um, you need to know is probably in the bulletin. But let's stand together. The worship team's up there. They're ready. Um, Curtis has his pick on the string and is ready to play. So we're going to sing together and after we sing, you're dismissed. My lighthouse Shining in the darkness, I will follow you, oh, my lighthouse, my lighthouse. I will trust the promise, you will carry me safe to shore. Oh, oh, oh.